intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices, welcome to another episode of the Atomic Podcast, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. I sound like Ephraim just now. <laughs> okay, Ephraim's on assignment right now. I'm here holding it down. We have another interview with Mr. Todd Farmer. Now, if you don't know who Todd Farmer is, he is a writer, actor. He's written scripts for Jason X, Messengers 2, My Bloody Valentine, Drive Angry. Um, this is just an interview. This is not a show. We have a show coming up. And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Todd Farmer. You are now in the mix with the Atomic Podcast, where we love the news. Ladies and gentlemen, let me give it up for Mr. Todd Farmer. Todd, how are you? Hello, everyone. It's, uh... Uh, good to good to good to have you on, Todd. I appreciate you making the phone call today, man. How's everything going by your neck of the woods? And how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, Thanksgiving was great. I uh, I ate lots of turkey. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Can't go wrong with turkey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, did did you do anything in particular, or you just relax with the family? Uh, came back to uh, Tennessee to uh, stay with family and chill out, and uh, it's been nice. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. So, um, basically, um, let's just get back to, you know, how, how, where did you grow up and how did you, you know, wh- how was your upbringing? How, wh- you know, just, just take it back, you know, ways down the road. It was great. I, uh, grew up in Kentucky, so, uh, small town and, uh, small town life, and I, uh, I mean, I was always a kid that was telling stories around the campfire, so I guess it was inevitable that I, uh, I didn't know I wanted to do movies. I, I thought I wanted to write books, but, uh, at the end of the day, once I figured out the story, I, I didn't have the patience to write 400 pages. And then I saw a, uh, I saw a screenplay. Um, I think the first screenplay I saw was it was Quentin Tarantino. It was Reservoir Dogs, and I read that and I saw it was like 100 something pages. And I thought, wow, I can I can write 100, 100 pages in a weekend. That's perfect. And so, and it, it's you know it's different from writing prose. So it's uh, you know it's just dialogue and action. I kind of dug that. So. Uh, so that's when I uh, pursued the, the whole screenwriting thing. Oh, so it was, so it was basically just you were just doing it when you was younger, just you know. And did, what, did, what, did you have other friends that did it as well, or just something that was just in you that you necessarily did it on your own? No, I mean the thing about Kentucky is you know we're sort of we're nowhere near Hollywood, so it never <laughs> yeah. it crossed my mind. Yeah, it never crossed my mind that there was even a possibility to write movies. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't necessarily know any novelists. I didn't know anyone who wrote, but I knew I liked to tell stories. I knew I liked to write. Uh, when I went to college, my major was English and marketing, and English because I wanted to write, and marketing as a backup in case I sucked. Uh, and then uh, a friend of a friend had written a movie called Major Pain, got by the name of Dean Laurie. His first movie was uh, My Boyfriend's Back, which yeah. very so, and his second movie was Jason Goes to Hell. Oh. And so... My friend suggested that I talk to him, and uh, so I just randomly gave him a call. At the time, he had a deal with uh, Universal. He was writing uh, a comic book called Mad Men. He was writing that. I think he was writing a movie for Ron Howard called Day, an alien movie. And uh, I think he had just finished uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, He didn't get credit on it, but he was uh, a huge uh, rewrite on it. And uh, what else had he done? uh, Nothing to Lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple of different movies, and so uh, so anyway, we hit it off. And uh, I was living in Texas at the time, and he uh, we 
is, and he said, hey, let's, uh, let's start writing. I had originally, I wrote a screenplay in preparation just to, you know, sort of impress him. And uh, I think maybe it was my second or third screenplay that I'd written. And it was a fantasy thing with dragons and heroes and that sort of thing, but it was a comedy. And I sent that to him, and he uh, called me back a day or so later, and he said, so I, I threw it in the trash. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, you know what? He said, you, you don't understand structure. He said, I, I was 40 pages into it, which is about 40 minutes of a movie. He said, it was just, it, there was no plot. It was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he said, you just don't understand structure. But he said, you're a really good writer, and you've got great ideas. He said, structure? I can teach you structure. He said, writing, I can't teach that. That's something you either know how to do or you don't. And so um, he sort of took me under his wing. And I think within about three months, he suggested that I move to uh, L.A. He said, if you really want to do this, you're going to have to be here where they make movies and so you can get in the trenches and learn learn how it really works. And so I loaded up a pickup with my uh, 486 computer, which is an old PC, and uh, a bunch of garbage bags full of clothes. And I drove to L.A. and slept in the hammock for a month. Oh my God! Yes, you can, because in LA you can sleep in a hammock and be quite comfortable. Wow! So you just basically went with a hammock and just your computer, and that was it. Well, I stayed with uh, her, uh, the friend of a friend that I mentioned. She lived with four other girls in a little house, and they each had a room, but there was no room for me. So I slept outside in their hammock. <laughs> and uh, you know what's great about LA is that you know it gets a little cool at night, but uh, it's not that bad as long as you got blankets and. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Going back a little bit. What, what do you mean that he said you didn't have structure? Like you knew how to write. You didn't like know how to have to do a beginning or an end, or you just like. Well, I mean, it's it's just like with anything. I've watched. You know, I've watched a ton of movies, but that's yeah. that's one thing. When you're actually writing and crafting a screenplay, there are you know, there's there are no rules when it comes to to writing screenplays, but there certainly are. Um, there certainly is a structure that's involved, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Every hit movie has it, uh, from Star Wars to Guardians of the Galaxy. Granted, both of those are are sci-fi, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, in The Godfather, you find it in Jaws. You find it, you know, they all have a certain structure. Some some stories will deviate from that. Certainly, Quentin Tarantino does things a little differently than most people. He he messes with the structure, but at the end of the day, the structure's still there. It's just a little different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it's exactly it's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, you know, it's uh, act breaks and, and plots and twists and turns and character development and all that stuff. And it's just stuff I didn't know. And uh, what was great is um, I want one of the lucky people that once I was shown, it sort of clicked, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so I'm not saying I'm the greatest writer in the world or that my movies are the greatest in the world, but I certainly, you know, I'm. I mean, I used to think that. Uh, Hollywood was all about you know, talent, luck, and who you know. I thought they were sort of equal, that you had to have talent that you... But uh, what I realize now is that there's... You know, a lot of guys can get very successful and have no talent, because at the end of the day, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but uh, that's just part of the process. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the journey. This is what I want to do. I'm relatively unemployable in anything else. I love it, <laughs> Wow, so basically it's like you really followed your heart and your passion and, you know, you actually went to L.A. with the hammock and the computer and um, how long did it take for you just to basically get settled out there? Did you, like, found a regular, like, 9 to 5 type of job to supply your dream? Like, how, like what, what was it for you the first couple of months out there? Well, when I first got out, 
option to script from me. Okay. And uh, so basically he said, look, I'm going to pay you $1,000 as an option. Okay. And, uh, you know, back then, $1,000 was a pretty good chunk of money. It's not a tremendous amount. You're, you know, I guess it was 1996. 96. I first moved to LA. Okay. So I, uh, so, you know, I gave him $500 to start and 500 to finish, and that was my first paying gig. And, uh, and you know, if the movie had gotten made, then there was a bonus. There, I think it was a $200,000 bonus. The movie didn't ever get made. In fact, we often talk about going back and, and making it. And, uh, what was, well, sorry to cut you off. What, um, um, what was the movie? The movie was called Hunted, Hunted. and it was about a, uh, about a diamond mine down in Africa. No, it wasn't Africa. It was uh, South America, okay. and uh, something was killing the miners. And so the guy who owned the, the diamond mine brought in four of the, the world's top hunters. And uh, what you find out by the end of the first act of it is that it's Bigfoot, but the, the, not the Harry and the Henderson's version, but a very terrible. <laughs> Of course, yeah. now everybody and their grandmother has a uh, Bigfoot script, but uh, <laughs> it never got made. It was, good, it was a good story. We had a lot of fun, uh, fun with it, and I learned everything that I know about structure from that from that little movie. And then uh, a few months later, we followed that with a uh, this thing called Vamp Camp, which was a, sort of a horror comedy. And uh, and then from there, and this is, I was only, I think I was only a month, maybe 45 days into my L.A. journey. Uh, Dean introduced me to Sean Cunningham, who had directed the first Friday the 13th movie. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ended up going to, I worked for Sean for three years. And oh. I was his, uh, his sort of in-staff, on-staff writer. He set me up at his uh, mansion, and I worked out of the maid's room in a rocking chair and a little computer. And I wrote, probably wrote 30 screenplays for him over that three-year period of time. No, nothing got made. Um... Sean was in a position where he didn't want to, uh, he, although he had started in horror, he didn't love horror, and he wanted to, you know, what he wanted to do was win an Oscar. So I was writing about delinquent kids in Spanish Harlem and courtroom dramas, and finally I was like, dude, I'm, I'm from Kentucky, just let me write a horror. <laughs> let, me write, <laughs> let me write something that, that we can get made. And uh, Sean had, uh, at that time, Freddy versus Bill. Freddy vs. Jason had been in development forever, mm -hmm. and um, and it was in development hell, basically. And um, he, Sean, was kind of fed up with the development and said, you know what, we're just going to make a Jason movie. And so that's how, uh, that's how we started talking about uh, what we called at the time, Jason, uh, we called it Friday the 13th Part 10. Uh, that was a little wordy, so we finally changed it to Jason X, or Jason for a while, and then Jason X. Yeah, I remember seeing that for quite some time. I think that movie was like, was it made a long time ago? I remember just seeing like the trailers online, but I think the movie was already in the can a while ago, right? Yeah, I think we shot we shot it in '99, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, as far as as far as the normal Hollywood journey, somebody told me once that the average for a screenwriter who finds success is ten years. Yeah. And I found it in three, or at least I got my first movie made after three. Yeah. So I really didn't, I didn't know how much, I didn't know until later, until I actually hit the wall later. I didn't realize how difficult it, it truly was. I was very lucky. And I thought it was just talent. I thought, you know, I was just that good. And I knew there was luck involved. And I knew there were you know, certainly people that I knew played a big part of it. But I didn't realize that there was so much luck involved. And there really is. Because uh, Jason X came out and it, it had bombed. Nobody would see it. And, and it's set in the can forever. Part of that 
have a movie in development or you have a movie that's in the can, it's kind of dangerous because another executive, they don't want to back up, they don't want to back and support a movie that they, they weren't involved in because if the movie is a success, they don't get the credit. And so um, it's not, uh, so it's, it's a dangerous thing, but most companies want to release their movie just to try to get some of their money back. And so that's what we got to release. I'm going back to Jason X. Um, um, what made you um thought about the script? Because um, you know, there was I think at that time there was a, like a a lot of horror movies. Let's send them to space, like with the Leprechaun and the Leprechaun in space. Then you had the Hellraiser one. Like what? Like what was going through your mind? The process of Jason X. It's funny because when we first started talking about, it, we talked about a bunch of different scenarios. I mean, at this point, you know, there had been nine movies. We could yeah. go on mm-hmm. The one didn't want to do was step on Freddy versus Jason's toes because it was being developed in their line it had nothing to do with us okay. and so we didn't know what they were going to do so what we didn't want to do was tell a story that sort of screwed with the, chron- the time frame the, chron- uh, the chron- yeah, continuity right right and yeah. so so I suggested let's set it in the future and the original you know because we talked about we talked about everything we talked about my favorite setting was you know Friday the 13th during the winter so you had snow because I was thinking of you know the end of I was thinking of Shining you know the end of the Shining yeah stalking through the maze of snow and uh, I thought you know it'd be just creepy if it was just sort of you know gray and white and black and and then splashes of red so I thought that'd be that would be wonderful but um, even in doing that we still need to set in the future so I suggested let's do something along the lines of Blade Runner necessarily, but certainly in a Blade Runner futuristic world where we find Jason Crouch in a Blade Pros, and we don't have to explain it, we just find it. And then you know, we live, we're in a futuristic world, and so we're not screwing with Freddy versus Jason. But they deemed that too expensive, so we started talking about space. And the reason we went to space is because I love Alien, and I love aliens. And I thought, you know, I, I was aware of, I was, I can't remember when, um, when Hellraiser in space came out, basically, it's not in space, but you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I remember, yeah, I don't remember the exact year. Can't remember if it was before or after, but, uh, I, you know, and I knew many of them that had come to Leprechaun, certainly, and I knew many of them had failed. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't matter to me because I felt like, well, but the alien worked, and the aliens worked, and so, I mean, if you look at the structure of Jason X, I mean, structurally, it is aliens. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if you go, if you put both movies side by side, the structures are very similar. I mean, they, they, they get, they get to the ship, and, uh, or at least in aliens, they get to the planet, and they, suddenly all hell breaks loose, and so they try to take the shuttle, and then the shuttle blows up. I mean, they're very similar in structure. And, um, which I thought was fine. I mean, I, I my mentor at the time was a guy by the name of Dean Reisner, who wrote High Plains Drifter and Dirty Harry, and, bunch of beautiful movies, and he, Starman, he used to say, uh, you know, great writers steal from other writers. <laughs> and he made no, uh, you know, there's certainly not steal entire concepts, but you can steal ideas, and you can see all of that in Quentin Tarantino, because everything he does is sort of an homage to, to the people that he loves and respects, and so, basically what I was doing. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it changed a little bit, and things the tone changed, and so it became a different movie than what I saw in my head, but uh, I've grown fond of it over the years. 
Yeah, you know, it, it sort of has like this cult, you know what I'm saying? At first, I'm not going to lie to you, when I saw this movie, I was like, what the hell is this? What's going on? But, you know, Jason X kind of grew on me after a while, you know? Especially, you know, that the, just the design for the new Jason, even though, you know, you get a lot of hack about that, but I, I just thought the design was great, you know what I'm saying? It made a great action figure, and, you know, it was pretty cool. And just the whole concept of it, and the whole, you know, virtual reality Crystal Lake, I, I, just, I just thought it was, you know... You know, now I appreciate it now as when I first saw it, I guess I didn't because, I, you know, it was that mind frame where I guess fans already wanted to see Freddy versus Jason because you already you already had that hinted at Jason Goes to Hell. But, you know, I, you know, I honestly thought it was a great movie, though. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I certainly, it, it, it certainly took me years to, uh, to come around because for me, you know, when I, when I saw Alien and Aliens, I, I wanted the dark and the gritty and I wanted the characters to be, you know, real. They could be funny. They could, they could, you know, they could have a sense of humor, but I wanted the humor to come out of the, the circumstances, not come out of one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the challenge was that uh, Scream had come out, and oh, yeah. uh, I think Scream, when did Scream come out? Oh, I don't know what think, yeah. But, you yeah. know, everything became self-referential once, once Scream came out. I know a lot of that, uh, I think a lot of that, we, maybe we've seen it from the script, or maybe the movie came out, I can't remember, but... It was certainly, certainly put uh, Freddy vs. Jason on the back burner when Scream came out. Yeah, because I think when Scream came out, it sort of like messed up really the whole horror because, you know, it, it was just sort of, you know, mocking what, you know, you're going to expect in a horror movie. So I guess it sort of like fizzled the horror franchise for a little bit, but... Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, but but you know, Jason X really did take a turn, though. You know, with the whole concept of it, I really thought it did took a turn. Yeah, well, certainly when the the design team came in, it it went more colorful and more bright. Which yeah. is not a bad thing. I mean, you take a look at, uh, at Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a huge success, and it's very colorful and very beautiful. Yeah. Against the very, you know, sometimes some of the settings are very dark, but the sky is gorgeous, and so it's. Uh, but. Um, with, uh, you know, it's certainly the, 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 the design and the tone, those two things worried me. And then I remember we went to, uh, we went to Universal, it was a bunch of us, uh, maybe ten of us went to Universal to watch it at, mm-hmm. uh, at their big, uh, theater there. And we walked in opening night and it was, you know, our group of ten and maybe, maybe half a dozen other people in this gigantic theater and I was like, Okay, well, my career is over before it even gets to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very, it was a tough, uh, that was a tough, uh, tough, a bit of a little swallow. It was also the marketing because, you know, I had written a story, you know, whether the movie was great, whether the story was great or not, I had written a story that was, that had a built-in huge twist. And that was, you know, towards the end of the movie, we killed Jason. Mm-hmm. We pulling this smithereens, and then we bring him back with, you know, futuristic technology, mm-hmm. and we bring it back, you know, completely recreated, and uh, and then they put that on the poster. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay, didn't see that coming. Yeah, and uh, it was in the trailer on the poster, and I thought, well, that's, you know, I sort of wanted it to be word of mouth. I wanted people to go having no expectation other than it's just a Jason movie, and then let people talk about how great it is. Wow, so who fault was that then? It wasn't supposed to be released? Like, who, 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 who's the numbskull that put that out there? Oh my god. Who put the, 
uh, who... Yeah, like, well, who gave it, like, you know, he said the, the it was supposed to be a surprise, like, you know, the, the Jason's reveal, but, it, like you said, it was on the posters and stuff. Was that supposed to be kept secret? Like, who who's the marketing genius that put that out there? I mean, I mean, it's just the, the marketing people at, at New Line, they decided that, you know, in order to, they decided that it was a catching image and to uh. put it on the poster. By the way, I, I love the poster. I just, you know, I always used to make the, the statement, I don't know if you saw the crying game, but it's like putting a penis on a crying game. It's, <laughs> yeah. you, know, it's you know, for the crying game, people people walked out of the theater and, and the ads were keep the secret. Yeah. With uh, the, you know the sixth sense, it was keep the secret. Don't don't give it away, and so that sort of created its own hype. I was hoping we. I guess I was just. I guess I was naive, but I guess I, I thought that's just what would happen. If you read the script, you can tell it's designed as a surprise. There's all a lot more, certainly. And then I, you know, I fell into the same trap again years later with Drive Angry because we get a huge surprise in Drive Angry that ended up being you know, and they ended up putting it on the poster and putting it in, in every one of the ads. So. Uh, mm. I'm very weary of, uh, of writing stories with big twists now, although I'm going to keep doing it because it's just what I do. But uh, it's certainly, uh, you know, because there's, there's so many steps in making a movie. And you, you write it, then you shoot it, and then you pass it on to somebody who's completely unrelated to you, and you hope they market it in the proper way. Yeah. I know. And then going and going to writing, you wrote other films after that. Like, you was talking about Drive Angry and stuff. How long did it take you to write Drive Angry? How long did that take? Took uh, well, Drive Angry. We just come out of a Bloody Valentine, so yeah, we'd had we'd had a lot of success with Valentine, and we knew yeah. we wanted Valentine was the first you know full live action three D movie, and um, so we knew we wanted to do another three D movie. Yeah, uh, Patrick had suggested, um, and we were both big, we were both fans of sort of the grindhouse genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, something that would look great in 3D would be, you know, cars. Yeah. Highway. So let's take that, you know, 1960s, 1970 grindhouse sort of feel and let's, you know, let's modernize it and put it in a 3D movie. And so that's how I, I think it took, how long it took. Once we had a, we had the story figured out through, uh, basically through the por- through portion where Nick Cage's character gets the car. And uh, from that point, we had that that much figured out. I started writing it, and I just kept going. I think it took us. Uh, our method normally was me writing first, and then handing it off to him, and then we go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think it probably took um, six weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Oh wow! Okay. It was relatively quick, and uh, you know, it was a spec. We weren't we didn't we weren't being paid for it. We just wrote it and went out and tried to sell it. And fortunately, we did. Wow, and then going back to um, My Bloody Valentine 3D, was it the same process that it took like six weeks as well, or was that a little bit faster? That was a little different because there was a pre, pre-existing script. Yeah, uh, from the original. Patrick, Patrick had worked with uh, Lionsgate on a previous film, mm-hmm. and uh, he had been brought in to do some, um, some non-publicized uh, editing and free, uh, not free, but some reshoots on it, and uh, Patrick and I had met uh, years earlier on a, on a movie that ended up becoming The Messengers, um, and then, you know, we'd stayed in touch over the years, and he had, I think he had called me, or I'd reached out to him and while he was shooting this other movie for Lionsgate, and uh, while he was doing the reshoots, mm-hmm. and he was stressed, 
<laughs> he was very stressed. And he said, you know, the script is problematic. There's, there's The scene I'm shooting tomorrow is a mess. And I said, well, well I can't remember if he asked me or if I just offered. I, I think I just offered. I said, well, do you want me to read it? And he said, yeah. And so he sent it over to me, and it's like a six-page scene. And I rewrote it in an hour and sent it back to him. And so he ended up, over the next week or so, he sent me several scenes like that. And I would rewrite them and send them back. I never got credit, never got paid. It was just, you know, a favor for a friend. Yeah. But Lionsgate knew I did that. And they didn't give me special thanks. I mean, there was there was no acknowledgement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But they knew I did that. And as a result, when Patrick was working on uh, My Bloody Valentine, uh, at the time, the script was very different. It was uh, didn't have anything to do with the minor. It was a, uh, I think it was an ex-fireman who worked at Pulp Mill, and uh, it was, there was still sort of the love triangle that exists in the, in the current movie, which I really liked, and it was still, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like Friday the 13th or Halloween in that it was about teenagers, it was about adults, and I liked that, which the original movie was about adults as well, I liked yeah. that. And so, uh, so I went back in and added the, uh, I basically wrote the movie that exists, and, um, and uh, you know, there were changes along the way, as there always are, and, uh, you know, other people had uh, input that was some great, some not so great, but we, uh, you know, we went down to, uh, went over to uh, Pennsylvania and shot the crap out of it. This was back when, you know, your 3D cameras were literally as big as a refrigerator. Yes. Uh, you know, yet we're running into a mine trying to trying to shoot inside a, a real working mine. And so it was, there were challenges, but I really loved the look of the movie. And we didn't write it with 3D in mind because we didn't really know what 3D was. But mm-hmm. after, you know, while we're shooting it, we're seeing some of the footage in 3D while we're shooting. Yeah. We started, you know, you, you change things, you say, well, this would really look awesome in 3D. So let's do that. Let's cut our head in half of the show. I think it was, I think that movie sort of set the trend, right? Because then you had Piranha 3D and everything. I think you, My Bloody Valentine 3D really started started the trend with 3Ds. Like, do you think? Or yeah, there was the, the Brendan Fraser movie. Uh, I forget the name of it. It was a Disney movie where uh, there was a bunch of CGI 3D. I want to say Journey was in there, but it's not right. Um, another sequel had The Rock in it. Yeah. But uh, the original movie, that was the first sort of modern 3D movie, 3D elements. But we were the first live action. Yeah. And um, when we came out, what was interesting is that landscape at the time, they were not in great shape. Yeah. And uh, I remember the opening weekend, they had, marketing-wise, they were amazing. Uh, Tim Palin and Sarah Greenberg, I don't think she's there anymore, Tim still is. But they were co-marketing execs there. And they had come up with... Uh, just beautiful posters and a beautiful marketing campaign. And they threw, Lionsgate threw everything into this little movie. And uh, we had a huge opening weekend. And I remember one of the executives with us who had never met before. You know, once we heard the numbers for, for Friday, I remember him cheering, saying, I have a job Monday. So it's like, well, that's great. And uh, it was, you know, that was, a, it's funny because, you know, Jason, with Jason X, it was a horrible weekend. And you just, you know, you're down and you think your career's over. And with, with uh, Bloody Valentine, it was just the opposite. It was absolutely euphoric, and it was wonderful. People seemed to love the movie, and, uh, you know, they were haters, but that's fine. At least they saw it. 
Yeah, exactly. They paid their money to go see it. You know, it was a very good movie as well. Um, and um, what you call it? Um, you also did um, I guess some documentaries on the, you know, the ho- the whole Halloween franchise. I mean, the Halloween. I'm sorry, the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Um, are you really? Uh, I guess you're definitely a true a true Jason Voorhees fan. Am I correct? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I've made no secret that my uh, my favorite was. Uh my favorite franchise was Halloween. Yeah. Uh, you know, from when we did go, Halloween was, you know, that was the movie that scared me. I, I saw it first, uh, and I don't have any favorite movies, but certainly Halloween, Jaws, Alien, and Star Wars, those those are the movies that made me what I am. Yeah. And, but, you know, what's, what's wonderful about, what I love the most about the Friday the 13th franchise is that each, it's not just regurgitating the same thing over and over. Each movie is different. The first movie is very different because the killer isn't Jason. The second movie is the first time that we're introduced to Jason. And the third movie, we're introduced to 3D. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, and it just, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, one of the movies, Jason's not even in it. Yep. And, uh, and then you have, you know, Jason versus Carrie. And it, it's just, I always love, you know, I, I didn't love... Uh, Jason takes Manhattan, but that's only because I, I wanted Jason to take Manhattan through the whole movie. Exactly, because I live in Manhattan. I was so pissed about that because it wasn't even Manhattan to like the last couple of yeah. minutes of the movie, which was like half a Times Square in a in an alley, which had nothing to do with Manhattan at all. But that's like a whole nother <laughs> right. But it's so true, though. So true. Yeah, but there's a great boxing match. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great meme on on. You can check it out on YouTube and stuff. It's, it's hilarious, you know. Yeah. All those punches, and then you know that one shot. You know, it was it was really good. Well, what's funny is back when I started, there wasn't a lot of uh, you know weren't, weren't a bunch of places that were making horror. It was Dimension Films, and it was New Line, and and there was a few you know here and there spread out. But for the most part, that was it. But once Scream came out, everything changed. Everybody was making horror. Yeah. And so it was very lucrative for a long time. Yeah. And, like, and I think, you know, especially, like, in the early 80s where it was, like, direct-to-DVD movies or straight-to-movies, like the Pumpkinhead series and, you know, the, um, oh, my God, like, the Child's Play movies, you know, especially the last, I don't know if you saw the last Child's Play, it was pretty good, even though it was direct, you know, straight-to-DVD sequel, it was definitely really good, especially having the original Andy at the end, it was really good, but, you know, I, I don't know, it's not, like, the same no more, though, it's not, you know... I don't know. What's what's matter of fact? Uh, let me just ask you this question: the whole horror in general. What's your take on it on 2014 now? Like, how do you feel about that, the horror franchise? Well, I mean, I don't think horror is going anywhere because it's still cost effective. It's still cheaper to make than anything else. Certainly, with the, the Blumhouse movies, they make those movies. Certainly, started out. You know, uh, you know, the original Paranormal Activity. I think cost five grand, and or maybe it was. I don't know it was under twenty. And uh, they threw a little bit of money in it at the end. But, I mean, we're talking about a movie that costs nothing. Yeah. And $100 million. And they've stuck with that same uh, way of making movies, which is they don't, you know, there's there's not a lot of money up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the movie has to, be ex- has to be successful in order for the filmmakers to see any money in the back. And mm-hmm. so it's a very different way of making movies. And uh, it's certainly advantageous for the for the company. It's 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 more risky for the... The filmmakers, and uh, but that you know, it's uh, it's made uh, certainly made Blumhouse and team a tremendous amount. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know, it's it's uh, it's 
changed. I mean, it changed uh, in the, not just the world of horror, but the world of making movies has changed. It's much more difficult to uh, to find those middle of the ground movies. You don't see as many movies that cost twenty million. What you see are movies that cost two to five, and movies that cost a hundred and over. And uh, so that's that makes things much more difficult. And uh, what it's forced a bunch of us to do. The, the last the last couple of years in Hollywood have been very very difficult. Many of my friends, you know, are working, including myself. And so we you know, we would branch out into other avenues of writing. And uh, because writers write and uh, it was I felt like it was always unfair to, you know, just because I started in horror to say that I can only write horror. Mm-hmm. And, because I like to write, I like to tell stories. I love horror. I'll always do horror, but I also, you know, I love action movies. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. I, you know, I love all of it. Mm-hmm. I love telling stories, and so uh, the business is, is changed, which sort of allows us to branch out a little bit more. But at the same time, it's uh, it's much more difficult for a new guy to break in because I think part of the reason is that companies now. You know, in the old days, you sort of had to establish yourself in order to get hired, which made it difficult. But now companies will hire just about anybody, bring them in, let them do their draft for next to nothing, and then they'll bring in somebody to fix their draft. And so uh, there's way more competition than there ever was in the past. Are you a fan of the way it is now, or like, do you feel like your vision is always going to be intact when you're writing, and does it get changed a lot with the whole Holly changes in Hollywood now? I think it's doesn't matter. I think I think with every you know when I first started out, there were challenges, there were pros and cons, and there are pros and cons now. I think if you're a writer, you know there was a time when you could be introverted. I don't think you can be now. You have to be very outgoing, and you also have to be a survivor. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to to get to, to get your foot in the door and to keep your foot in the door. There are uh, you know there are a lot of writers in Hollywood people who will sell their friends out. I won't, and uh, maybe I'll never be as successful as, as they, but I don't care. Um, you know, even in the world of telling stories, I think you still have to have your morals. Exactly. You know, at least, at least, at least you didn't, at least you didn't become Hollywood. You, you're still yourself. You know. Well, I try to be. I mean, look, Hollywood happens. There's no, no escaping. It. Yeah. But you know, at the, at the moment, I'm in, uh, I'm in Tennessee, and nobody here cares that I'm Hollywood. <laughs> it's kind of cool to walk out and like no one recognizes you or anything like that, right? Oh, well, I barely get recognized. <laughs> For but, real? Uh, wow. <laughs> no, but, uh, but I'm okay with that. Oh, good. Um, also, I want to get to something. Are you, was you involved in uh, Halloween in some, some format or some way? No, after, uh, right before Drive Angry, yeah. the had come to us. Uh, we had pitched them several different ideas. Okay. Probably six months before Halloween actually happened for us, mm-hmm. we pitched them. I think we pitched them a version of Hellraiser. We pitched them a version of Scanners, and we pitched them a version of Halloween. And then, right after Rob started shooting the second movie, Bob called us and said he wanted us to come in for the third. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I've got the timeline correct. So you know, we I know we went to see. Halloween 2 when it first came out and shortly after that we, we got to work we had the story all figured out but in order to have the time to shoot it before because we already had our deal with Drive Angry we were going to shoot it we were going to start prepping it in January mm-hmm. so in order to actually start 
able to have enough time to make Halloween, we only had 10 days to write the script. Because we had to be in pre-production, you know, by the end of it. Because we had to be Christmas. We had to get the movie in the can before Christmas. Okay. And um, so it was an unbelievably tight schedule. But we um, we wrote it in eight days. <laughs> and uh, wow. Patrick was hiring people and everything was, was moving fast. And then on Monday we talked to... Uh, talked to Bob and uh, and basically it was decided that we didn't have the time and that the worry was you know, Bob's worry was that if we don't finish in time it will screw up Drive Angry and he didn't want to screw up Drive Angry for us okay. and so uh, so, the, so it was basically you guys go shoot Drive Angry and when you're done we'll come back and they'll uh, and we'll work on this so when we got done with Drive Angry we came back to them and they were like you know what let's do Hellraiser <laughs> and, we ended up working on Hellraiser for a number of months, and uh, that didn't happen. And then they came back to us about Halloween again. Mm-hmm. We talked about different, you know, at that point, so much time had, had uh, gone by that the idea of following Rob's movie had gone out the window. So there was talk of, or lots, lots of different ideas, you know. They even back when they mentioned uh, found footage, which we were completely against. What, what, what were some of the ideas that were mentioned for the Halloween? What what storyline did you have planned out? Uh, we didn't. Uh, well, we didn't. I mean, we never got to. We never actually got as far as story. It was. Oh wow! Okay. It, was always, it was always more talking about marketing. And a lot of times when you go into these these meetings, it, it's about marketing. It's you know what's the you know what's the poster? What's the uh, you know, how do you you know how do you sell you know a, a movie that's that feels old and used to a lot of people, having yeah. you know reinvigorated. That's why there's you know that's why there's so many you know reboots these days. So I don't know what the, I haven't we haven't had any dealings. I still talk to Malik from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chat via email or and, and he, Malik was fantastic. He was he was. There's no greater producer champion you could need. He's right up there with the with Mike DeLuca and. He's just, he's just absolutely was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I re- Halloween will be a big regret because, you know, like I say, Halloween's one of those movies that made me what I am. So to have been able to work in that franchise is wonderful. To have been able to make the movie would have been even more wonderful. Plus, I had a small role and I could have kept my pants on, which would have Oh, man. See, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, um, I, I'm saying, I know you said you, you just got up to the marketing, but... Did you have something planned in mind that you wanted to continue with from the Rob Zombie movie? Like, did you have anything in mind? No, we had a script. I mean, the script was finished. We handed in the script. We had a great, uh, a great script. I mean, it's no secret what we talked about was the first, you know, the first 30 minutes of the movie was a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, we basically killed Michael. Yeah. And, uh, we cut to a year later and the, the shake comes back. So, the beginning, you know, the first 30 minutes is a Rob Zombie movie, and the last 60 or so is a John Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we loved that. And it was it was wonderful. It was a great story. It was uh, wonderful characters. But, you know, it's not... We did, we did get paid for it, so it's not our story. It's not... Uh, it's not it's not even my story to really talk about, because they gotcha. can't... You know, hopefully, you know... Maybe miraculous things will happen, and that version of it will somehow get made, or portions of it will. But uh, uh, it's theirs to do with 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Enough said. <laughs> I won't even go any further. Um, so, um, are you working on the new Hellraiser reboot? No, we did that. We worked on that right after Drive Angry, and uh, we did a we did a very detailed forty page, as you call it, a script, forty page outline. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, we we weren't remaking Clive's movie. Clive's movie's out there. We had no we had no intention of doing that. What we did was we were going to make a movie that took place in the world that Clive created. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, um, Warnsies came back to us and said we'd like it to, they loved it, said we'd like it to be a little younger. And so instead of being a, a story about a husband and wife, we made it about a father and a daughter. Oh, and and okay. friends, and that's made it a little younger. And then they came back and said, we want, uh, you know what, this is great, but what we want is Final Destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we were faced with writing the, the sort of young adult version of it. And, uh, you know, we, we bantered back and forth. At first, we were like, no, we don't want to do that. And uh, But we ended up doing a draft, uh, uh, an outline of the younger version. And, you know, what? I think it was a fantastic version of the young adult colors. And, uh, but that didn't get made out. <laughs> so, haven't, uh, we haven't worked on it in, oh, it's been years. I don't know how many, two, three, three years, maybe. Three years, wow. And, um, but that's, you know, that's part of it. I mean, I mean, I could go on and on about the list of movies that we've been, we almost made Fright Night, we almost made Fly, we almost made Exorcist, I mean, there's so many movies that we almost did, but that's just Hollywood, you, you end up writing and pitching and working a lot of movies for free, just in order to get that one that goes forward. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, um. So that can be frustrating and exciting. Wow, do you have anything you're working on now that you could discuss, or? Uh, what am I working on now that I can discuss? This is getting so weird when it comes to secrecy. <laughs> I know, it's like almost, you don't know what to say, can I say it, or? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, there's an animated uh, movie based on a video game that I've been working on, but I can't talk about that, and there's a, <laughs> All right. there's a, uh, Oh my god. <laughs> I'm uh No, I have, I have absolutely is that true? Do I not have No, I don't. Uh but I'm writing, so that's good. <laughs> Alright, well I was I was writing right before we had this phone call. Oh my god. Alright, so can I ask what was you writing? Uh I was writing uh no. <laughs> oh my god this is excellent <laughs> well, but, 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 well I can't tell you this before we uh, before we jumped on the phone I was writing a book but oh. it's uh, uh, a buddy of mine actually, actually I could probably say this a buddy of mine Dean Laurie who uh, I mentioned before he's yes. guy who uh, sort of pulled me out to LA yeah. uh, Dean has had great success in the uh, uh, in the comedy business there's mm-hmm. uh, on a uh, he was on My Wife and Kids for a long time. He was on uh, Arrested Development. And uh, he was on Crazy Ones for Elton Williams, which was last year. And um, he and I decided, because we both, you know, over the years have written a gazillion movies together, and none of them ever got made. We never sold any. So we decided that we were going to take these uh, screenplays that we wrote. We were going to turn them into uh, into novels. And so that's what I was working on. Oh, sweet. One of the, one of the screenplays that... Uh, <coughs> that we wrote, that we are now novelizing. And, uh, 
completely different. For me, it's the other side of your brain. Because mm-hmm. it's prose is so completely different from, from the way you write a script. And, uh, but it's, it's been wonderful. So I can bounce back and forth between prose and between other screenplays. Oh, wow. Um, um, when are you, when are you going back to L.A.? How long are you staying in Tennessee for? Uh, I'm heading back on Sunday. Um, are you um, even entertaining the thought or have you even got offered or is there anything you can tell me about is there going to be a Friday the 13th sequel or are you attached to anything involving the franchise or I've heard I've heard bits and pieces Uh, I've heard stuff I've heard most of what I've heard is uh, rumors that it's weird because a lot of times you'll hear internet rumors and yet it's not my place to go online and say that's not true. Gotcha. What I end up doing is I wait until the news breaks, and then I'm like, yeah, I thought so. But, uh, you know, because it's, you know, it's somebody else's project. It's not mine. I have nothing to do with the Friday the 13th franchise at all. Uh, I've heard rumors about TV shows and, and heard rumors about other movies. I can guarantee that another movie will happen. I don't know when, and I don't know what it will be, but it will happen. Uh, because, you know, it's a, it's a very viable to say, but is it a good, your residuals is good enough?
mean, that's part of it's due to, you know, the, the new digital distributions and the way they're paid and the way they're tracked. And, you know, that's, uh, it's a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, don't, they don't make that. I, I don't know if, they're, if the companies are making that money and they're just not paying out. I have no idea because I don't know how to track. But uh, it's, uh, in a certain way, the residuals aren't as big as they used to be. But, you know, there have been many times in my career when I was broke had it not been for residuals. So, you know, you go, you know, you work and you work and you work and sometimes the job doesn't come in, but it was because of the residuals I was always able to pay bills and float. Yeah. And uh, so it's, you know, it's, to writers, it's certainly very important. And uh, movies like, uh, you know, your bigger box office movies, you know, I can't, uh, I can't imagine what the, you know, what the payout would be on those. But, you know, it can be, yeah. I think um, we'd say if you if you have a box office release, you know you'll 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 look at seeing in residuals probably a hundred a hundred thousand to five hundred for the massive. You know you could probably see it for upwards of a million. Jeez, wow! I think it. You know I think the majority is probably closer to a hundred now. Wow! <laughs> over a period, over a period of probably five years. It's oh, amazing shit. <laughs> it is. It's you know it's it's. You know, it's not it's not money you can necessarily live on, but it's certainly you know, writing is a very weird industry. It's a very weird business because you do a tremendous amount of work and you don't always get paid for it. Mm. And so, um, you know, the goal is to keep writing as opposed to working a nine to five job. Yeah. And uh, over the years, I've always been lucky. I you know, for from '96 on, I always was able to get one paying job a year, which you know, allowed me to keep writing. I didn't get rich at no mansions. I didn't drive a Maserati, but I was able to live comfortably. Yeah, and which is a good thing. As long as you live comfortably, then you live like a rich man. So that's definitely My baby thing. girl's got shoes, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> um, a question I want to ask you, going back into the horror franchises. You know, Now you know you have the Psycho movies, and you have, um, now it's a series, The Bates Motel. Then um, I think I, was, I read, you know, MTV was going to have the Scream series. You know, who knows, probably down the future, a Halloween series or a Friday the 13th series. What's your take on franchises, movies that become TV shows and become sort of like mainstream as Americana, as Apple Pie, watching it on A&E or something like that? What's your take of like the whole horror franchises becoming TV shows? Oh, I mean, I love it. I mean, the more, the more, the more shows that are out there, the better. I, I, as long as they're good, as long as you're done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my... People used to complain before that wave happened. People would complain about remakes. And you know what? I love the fly. I love the thing. Two of my favorite movies in their remakes. And so, you know, I, I've, I've done remakes. I've done originals. Uh, I've done franchises. I've done sequels. Uh, you know, I've done everything. Um, as long as you do your best and try to tell the best story you can. I mean, the thing is, there's, there's some great TV shows out there based on, you know, pre-existing movies. That's a wonderful thing. I have no problem with it at all. You know, as long as you respect the material and, and I, I appreciate those that sort of take a, take an idea in a different you know, in a different direction. I mean, Hannibal's a beautiful example. Mm-hmm. Bates Motel's a wonderful example. I mean, it's not it's not just the show regurgitated. It's it's a new spin on it. There's plenty it's, you know, and I have never had a problem with that because the original still exists. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm going out and burning the tapes. Exactly. They're still there. You can still go watch the original, but then you can experience it in a whole new life. 
You know, I always said to myself, I always wondered, Halloween will make an excellent TV show if done right. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, you ever thought about, like, as Hall- you know, as a writer, you ever thought about, damn, you know, if I can make Halloween the TV series, this is what I would do. You ever thought about something like that? Uh, I hadn't thought about it with Halloween. I had thought about it uh, very briefly with, uh, with uh, Friday the 13th. Okay. And, uh, because, you know, it's, it's not, that's not an easy one. It, in that, you know, you, what you don't want is, you know, chasing out stalking new teenagers every week. Yeah. That's a little monotonous. But, you know, there's certainly ways around that and ways to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, there was the old Friday the 13th TV show. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, I definitely remember that. <laughs> Which had nothing to do with Jason. Exactly. But, uh, but uh, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, taking pre-existing ideas and, you know, doing something else with it. And certainly... You know, the industry wants that because the name recognition is so important to them right now because it cuts their marketing in half. You know, if you can go out and say, you know, from the creators of this and from the, the makers of Scream or then actually talk, that, you know, say, look, this is a TV show based on Scream, mm-hmm. you get a built-in, you have a built-in audience. They love that. I think it, it makes me sad that we're not allowed to do the original movies that we're allowed to do. And I remember, you know, I still get criticized for, you know, remaking My Bloody Valentine from from certain people. And I'm like, well, look, guys, you know, I did Cry of Angry, which was completely original. Nobody would see it. My Bloody Valentine was remaking, you know, it made $100 million. So, you know, Hollywood is going to make what you guys go see, what I go see. And uh, a lot of times people don't go see the originals. Exactly. Exactly. I was speaking to you too and hearing you. I know I could tell you're a Star Wars fan and Guardians of the Galaxy fan. Just to go off the subject on horror, um, what's your take on the Star Wars trailer? Loved it. Seen it about 30 times already. <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm probably going wa- to watch it as soon as we're done. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I think it's ballsy. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the opening, I mean, I remember being a kid. And I remember that the moment when, when they're down on the planet and the, they're following the droids, and suddenly the stormtrooper just bursts up on the screen. Yep. Like there's an homage to it, and it's beautiful, and he's helmetless. Yep. It's just everything about it. It's not overdone. It tells you nothing. It's a teaser. It's a true teaser. And yet, it so perfectly delivers what a Star Wars movie should be. It, it's both new and fresh. The droid, the droid's amazing. Everything about it just blows me away. Yeah, I, I was I was just at awe with the the last scene. You know, I'm wondering if it's Luke or not. You know, with the with the lightsaber with the hilts on the side. You know, uh, that that just took mind blew. It just really, it was it was a mind fuck to be honest with you. I was like, oh my god. You know, especially seeing. I'm, the, I'm sorry. I, I, my my gut would say it's not because the voiceover says uh, uh, says the dark side at that point, and then refers to the light when you see the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. But I had that thought because I was like, you can't, you know, this takes place in the future. You can't assume that Luke is only using a blue or green lightsaber. He could very well be using a red. I mean, there's, it's, you know, you can't, I just love that it feels like a Star Wars movie, but yet it feels like it's going somewhere different. And I all will appreciate that. 
I know. Exactly. You know, I know. Like you know, like in my gut, I was like, you know, because you notice even from the the first one all the way to to, to now, you know, there's always the rise and fall of a hero. So it makes me wonder if Luke is going to rise or fall. But you know, you know, I, I just can't see that happening, though. You know, I, I'm not sure. But you know, it just kind of had me thinking, like it could be Luke, it could not be. I'm not really sure. I. I... I just, I'm enthusiastic because I feel like they could do that. Because yeah. I feel like they have balls with this. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, even the whole debate over the, uh, over the voiceover, which just, you know, cracked me up. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, I don't know if you followed Drew McQueen, but he revealed who the voiceover was. Yeah, um, 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 Andy Serkis, yeah. Yeah. But at, at first, it's, didn't it sound like, um, this guy, Benedict Cumberbatch to you? At first? It did, but I actually, oddly enough, I hadn't thought about who was doing the voiceover until I saw Drew's, um, saw, saw his tweet, and uh, and then I went back and watched it immediately after, and I was like, oh, you know what, it does kind of sound like, uh, uh, but at the same time, I, I hear Andy as well, so, yeah. but uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous trailer, I, I can't wait, I haven't been this excited for a movie since probably Guardians. I know. I'm pretty excited about Guardians, and I love Guardians. I know. So speaking of, speaking of Guardians, what's your whole take on the whole Marvel franchise? And compared to Marvel, because you know, I usually on my podcast have debates Marvel versus DC podcast sometimes. But well, what's your take on the Marvel and the DC podcast, especially with the announcement now with the Suicide Squad? I, I, I love the Marvel movies. Even the worst Marvel movie is better than most studio movies. And, and I don't, you know, I hope that doesn't cost me a job. But it's true. <laughs> I think it's along. It's the same. I think you see the same thing in Pixar because they're not following you know, Pixar movies. Those guys just made those movies in house. It wasn't studio. It was them, and and their movies are amazing. Yeah. It's the same thing with Marvel. They're making the movies in house. It's it's they're they're falling outside of the the Hollywood system. They don't have. They're not shackled to the same rules and regulations. But certainly in the beginning, the Marvel movies felt. Um, smaller, that they've gotten so big and so rich and so beautiful. I have no, and no, and the fact that Marvel would trust James, look, I love James. Mm-hmm. I, I know James. I, you know, I, I, I've been around James. I, I, he, you know, he started out in, in you know, he's, he's a horror guy. Yeah. And uh, to trust him with this, I was just so ballsy. And it was, it was brilliant, because he did a fantastic job. The movie's got heart, the movie's got fun, everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I haven't bought a movie on iTunes in forever. I mm. bought it the moment it was available. Wow. But, uh, yeah. Look, my, you know, my secret passion is I love, I love fantasy. I love, I love sci-fi. Yeah. Always, always will. Um, don't get me wrong. I love horror. I will continue and always write horror because I felt like they all have sort of the same hero's journey arc. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, my, Passion growing up was always, you know, I played Dungeons and Dragons. I, you know, I, I was one of the only jocks that played Dungeons and Dragons. It was not allowed. You should not supposed to play football and Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> but I did. What about the the, sui- the what about um the suicide casting? Did you read read about that recently? Say that again. What about um the suicide casting? Did you um read about it? No, I didn't. Uh, Will Smith confirmed Margaret Robbie as Harley Quinn, Jared Leto as the Joker. Huh. Yeah. No, 
Well, yeah, it just it just it just came out a few a few hours ago. It was it was. It was no, I'm, no, I didn't have like I was in a script. I mean, I'm a, a book. I didn't. Oh, because because you know Marvel's big announcement at the at the Capitan Theater in L.A. It was just a, like a whole big announcement for their whole slate. And then DC, all you know, their slate was just basically in a conference call. But really, Marvel went balls all out and really got decked out and just gave like a whole big announcement of their whole film slate. So who did they announce again? You said Will Smith. As... Yeah, we Will Smith is going to be Deadshot. Um, Margaret Robbie okay. from The Wolf of Wall Street is um, Harley Quinn. Um, yeah. Jared Leto as the Joker, and Tom Hardy, I believe, is Ray Flag. I believe. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was in Variety, so it's it's not like from like a internet site. It's confirmed. So, definitely check it out once you're off the phone with me. Definitely check it out. Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's it's awesome casting. I'm surprised no one called you about it. It's really good. No, I, I stay well. Uh, you know, until I pick up the phone. <laughs> gotcha, I, gotcha. You're in solitude. You're in solitude. Phone, yeah, I stay shackled in the dungeon when I'm writing. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you ever um did you, have you ever have any thoughts of if they ever pr- approach you to write a Marvel film would you consider doing it or any like superhero films because there are dark superheroes out there so I put Jason in space they're never gonna do that but yeah I'm totally <laughs> kidding I don't know I, I I honestly could see a Todd Farmer DC Swamp Thing no I could do that I'd have to bring in Bernie Wrightson to do a lot of the art for me but absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, because there's there's dark characters in the comic book universe. It's just you know, it's just depending on how mainstream they are to like you know, I guess regular audiences and how they will get seen. So, I, I say give me give me Spider Man. I can fix that. Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man. Oh. That's right now. He he was he was my man when I when I uh, you yeah. know I I I'm old. I'm old enough that you know we didn't have computers and we certainly didn't have passwords. My very first password. <laughs> I don't use it anymore because, you know, it's too easy, but uh, that was my first password when I had my first computer. Spidey. <laughs> what do you no, think of... I uh, no, do you think the whole Sony franchise really botched up the whole Spider-Man? Like, the whole... Yeah, I, mean, I do. I do yeah. a little bit. I think, uh... I think it's, uh... Yeah, I don't... I don't begrudge them the, uh... You know, the reboot... I don't uh, have a problem with. Uh, uh, I don't ha- have a problem with uh, the casting. Uh, it just, just there was a. It's hard to explain. I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not somebody who can. I'm not a critic. I'm not somebody who can. I just I go see movies and I like them or I don't. And yeah. you know, the other elements of it I like. I certainly love the kid. And I love parts of it, but at the same time, it just felt certainly the second one. The second yeah. one was was a lot harder for me to get through. Mm-hmm wrap my brain around. Same here. I just say Sony just give back the rights to Marvel and let them, you know, work at it, you know. Gets made, and not only gets made, but that turns out great. 
know, I go see a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, or I go see a movie like Amadeus, and I'm just, sometimes I'm in awe that they're that good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired before, you know, I let you go, because I had you on the phone for too long, but I appreciate the time you've given me. Um, there's any um, anything you want to work on? Is like any pet dream project that you have, like you, you could, you know, envision yourself doing, or... I mean, if you got the power, you can give me Spider-Man, I'll take that. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> no, no, I mean, what I, you know, I, I'd love to, uh, I'd love now to call them on and say, hey, look, you know, the, the Weinstein's agreed, let's go make Halloween. Yeah. I'd love to make Halloween. Um, I'd love to, uh, uh, certainly Halloween will, will be, the, as I mentioned, would be a regret. I'd love to make the Hellraiser that we, that we came up with, the, the first or second version. The third would be fine, but I'd rather make the first or second. Mm. Uh, as far as dream projects, you know, if somebody had asked me, somebody did actually ask me in an interview once, you know, if you could have made any movie that's been made or any fran- work on any franchise, what would it be? Harry Potter. I would have take, you know, would I have been as good as, uh, as Steve? Probably not, but, uh, but what a wonderful, you know, storyline that is. And, uh, you know, so my, uh, my taste, uh, if James wants to call me to work on uh, Guardians 2, I'm in. Yeah. You know, I, I I love good stories. I love great characters. Um, so that's really what it comes down to for me. Right. Uh, so Halloween, Hellraiser, Guardians, Spider-Man. Let's see. Well, I'll, take, I'll do another. Give me another Alien movie. We haven't had a good Alien movie. Uh, Alien, oof, that franchise has been through so much, but yeah, definitely, we definitely need a good one. Or, or who knows, probably you could work on the next Prometheus. Yeah. That could be interesting. <laughs> do with it, but that could be interesting. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. Huh? That one might take me a couple of hours to come up with something. <laughs> I was like, you definitely will have to be in Tennessee for uh, X amount of time just to think of a, a good follow-up to that, though. Uh, anything else, anything you want to plug out there that you got coming out? Uh, what do I have? You know, a buddy of mine wrote a book called uh, Romance for Men. If you go to uh, romanceformen.com, you'll, uh, it's very good. I mean, you might like it. Uh, I can actually talk about that because he just came out with it. Oh, yeah. rom- oh Romance for Men. Okay. Yeah, he sold the, uh, sold the show to uh, effects recent, uh, recently, so it's going to be uh, going to be a TV series for effects. Uh, animated series. Animated like, series? Oh, okay. Well, is it on uh, animated that, series on Adult Swim, or? Uh, it'll be, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's the, the same guys who did, who, the producers are the same producers from Archer. So oh, okay. Definitely a little bit dirty. But uh, the book is uh, romancefromen.com. Uh, and that's Dean Moore. That's my buddy. So, you know, if you like horror, he wrote uh, Jace Goes to Hell. And uh, we've been working together ever since. Oh, sweet, sweet. Well, definitely, you know, you know, definitely for the fans to pick that up out there. It sounds interesting. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Farmer. I appreciate the interview. Well, thank you, sir. It's been my pleasure.